there is something really powerful about just saying out loud the thing that made you feel like, oh, like not even loudly like that was awful, but just that little, because sometimes in certain moments, you are not in your body enough to have the reasonable reaction to the bad thing that's happening because you're sort of, you're surviving, you're acclimatizing, you're like doing all these things so that you can get through it. So sometimes it's even just that little like, oh, that didn't feel quite right. That sometimes it requires sharing that for somebody to be like, oh, that sort of happened to me. I mean, it is sort of the power of of me too, of everybody sharing these like quiet, private experiences that when you start seeing enough of them, you're like, oh, this is really problematic. And we've all just made so much space for that discomfort, for that, like, I mean, how much does that little bit of discomfort really cost me, you know? But it's accumulative, you know? Every time it adds to this pile that you're not handling and it gets bigger and bigger. This is the Conscious Economics Podcast, and I'm your host, Rhiannon Roseland. This is the place where we explore people, planet, profit, and art through the lens of the new economy. If you're interested in changing yourself, getting more creative, or changing the system at large, then this is the podcast for you. Tune in every other week as we explore these topics with amazing guests. We'll go deep, we'll go heart-centered and soul-felt as we go into how we change ourselves and change the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Conscious Economics Podcast. I'm your host, Rhiannon Roseland. Today, we have such an incredible episode. It's so boring that I say that same thing every time, but every single person that I have talked to this season on the show, I have walked away learning something about myself, about systems at large, and no doubt this happened in speaking to Haley Jean Penner. So let me tell you about Haley. Um, So Haley is a Canadian singer and songwriter and author who grew up sharing the stage with her father, renowned children's entertainer Fred Penner. As a songwriter, she is known for writing for artists including the Chicks, Sabrina Claudio, Lennon Stella, Charlotte Lawrence, The Chainsmokers, and so many others. Her debut album and her memoir's namesake, People You Follow, was released in September 2020 in concert and with a book. And so we go on to really talking about the book, um, the album. This is her memoir. So it really reads like a series of small vignettes. And it's really about what she sort of describes as the self destructive, self-protective, morally slippery things we do as young women trying to figure ourselves out in the 21st century. It is such a profound piece of art, and you'll hear me talk about my own experience with it. Haley has been someone that I have followed for many, many years. We had a a mutual close, close friend and went to um, university together in our undergrad for a little bit, and she is just a prolific creative songwriter, musician, artist, and soul spirit. And I love what she's doing to change systems, to honor herself and other women in the music industry and across the board. So I'm really, really excited for you to dig into this episode and listen to the prolific Haley Jean Penner. (laughs) 
I'm so excited to see you and to talk to you. I'm so excited to see you too. It's been so long. It's been like a ridiculous amount of time. I feel like it was when we had you come to Ottawa for the Voice of Hope Award, which is like eons ago. I think it was like 15 years ago or something (laughs) crazy like that. Like I have no idea. And where are you? Are you in LA right now? Are you in Winnipeg or where are you? I'm in LA. I was in Winnipeg for a couple months over the holidays for January, December and January. Yeah, and now yeah. I'm back. I'm back in the sunshine. Oh, that's so nice. So Haley, I wanted to have you on the podcast. It was kind of a dream of mine to have you come on and I'm going to anchor you into why that is in case you're like, what the hell is going on? And really because on the Conscious Economics podcast, we like to bring in what we call conscious economy leaders. And I see you as a conscious economy leader. And I know that's like, what's that? And what do you mean? So I want to tell you that really conscious economy leaders to us are people who are leading with truth, leading with authenticity, really leading with creativity as a birthright of all human beings. We are intended to be creative and you've dedicated your life to creativity. I also have to say that since I've known you when we were in school, I've really always been a fan of your writing and your music, like a deep one. I remember like being on your old MySpace back like years ago and being obsessed with some of the songs that you had on there and listening to them on repeat. And like, I remember your old YouTube video of a performance you did at the standard about like, you'll beat up someone if they're mean to you your sister or something. I've just like been deep into your work for many years. And as I read your book and I'm holding it, I was just so moved by your ability to, like you always have, but just find the through line of humor and dismantling the patriarchy and being raw and honest and just so beautifully creative in all that you do. And so to me, you absolutely embody the spirit of the new economy. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you. So Thank you. And I hope that anchors things a little bit more deeply for you. Oh my gosh, that's very nice. You know, I think you're right that my my sort of like goal with all things is to be authentic, like to be authentic, to tell the truth as, and especially with that book, it was like a new level of how honest can I be with songs? You can sort of be a certain level honest just because of a word count, you know, yep. but then it's like a just a deeper medium or just a longer medium you know, it allowed me to go even more in depth. And Mm -hmm. that is always my sole focus. So for it to accomplish in somebody's eyes, like accomplish all of these other things that you just described, like dismantling the patriarchy and like being an example of authenticity, like those are all such beautiful products of solely trying to live authentically. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, the goal is never the outcome. The goal is just to live honestly. And and it's really nice to hear that is how it feels, how it's read. It's really meaningful to me because so much of that process is so solo, so solitary. Well, especially, I mean, writing a book, I can't even imagine what that process is. It's something that I've wanted to do it sometimes. I'm like, oh, it's such a mammoth. Like, I don't know if I could ever do that. It's definitely not at this point in my life. But in reading yours, like, there's no faking in here. Like, it's just the energy of it is so real. And like, I was like, 
oh, like I was scared for you in moments as you were revealing certain parts. I was like, oh, like she went there. And so much of it resonated. Not that I've had the same experiences, but I have in some ways, you know, in in a different way of just coming up at the time we came up and the way that business was done. I know music industry specifically you're speaking about, but business in general, there was, there's a through line. And I think we're starting to come out of that collectively. Like we're becoming more conscious, which is beautiful so that a piece like this can really stand because I feel like this is a social change piece, but what it would have been received even 10 years ago would have been like, oh, like, you know, it wouldn't have been as important as it is because the time is ready for the truth, if that makes sense. It really does anchor to consciousness, you know, because even within the book, like I remember living so many of moments and in the moment, it didn't feel like oh no, don't go in that room. Like those are gifts of hindsight and gifts of Mm -hmm. increased consciousness, increased social awareness, increased like the shift of me too, of time's up, just an awareness that, oh, we don't actually have to be treated like this. This isn't acceptable treatment, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because it felt like a requirement back then to have a career. And I think that you display that really beautifully. I want to take us back a little bit before we go deeper into the project and just, I want to sort of pick your brain on some different ideas and concepts, but I want to go back to where you originally knew that you yourself were an artist, because obviously your dad is, you know, an iconic figure in Canada and, you know, a working sort of artists and television personality and all of those things. But when did you know that you were yourself an artist? Was there like a specific moment? It's funny. One of those things that just keeps showing up, you know, like it just kept showing up at my door. Like even really young, I would write a lot, you know, just like stories, long stories or write songs or you know, just, it was just always like a part of my personality, but I just sort of considered it a part of my personality that I was kind of like a performer and liked being sort of the center of attention or making people laugh or, you know, these sorts of like artistic elements of my personality. And then it's almost like I was trying to bucket off several times in my life. Like, you know, in school, I wasn't really, I was like doing musical theater, but I wasn't really writing. And then I started hosting a show on CBC, which is also artistic, but wasn't like my own personal exploration Mm -hmm. of my artistry. And then I went to journalism school. Like I kept sort of trying to lose it Mm -hmm. and it just sort of kept demanding to be a part of my life. So I think it's been an evolution. I think I was always an artist. Mm -hmm. I think I was born into a household that was very nurturing of creativity of art of music of theater of acting of everything so it was really ingrained in my upbringing and truly it's not until the last five years that I would say I'm an artist really that's wild to me yeah I think so I appreciate you saying that because I think so many people live in the imposter syndrome around am I an artist if I don't like what makes me an artist but we are born artists I really believe that and I literally believe we all are like whatever our artistry is you know sometimes it is songs and music and writing but sometimes it's the way that we're approaching business or it's the way that we problem solve or it's any of these things and it just hasn't been nurtured in all of us in the way that it needs to be 
I think. So I think that's really interesting. Now, I also want to kind of define the moment that you said, okay, I'm going after this, I'm pursuing this, and I'm not giving up because mm-hmm. in reading the book, like, this is fucked. Like there's a, this is shitty. (laughs) There's like shitty, shitty things that are going on. (laughs) So where in your right mind did you decide like, no matter what I'm pursuing this endlessly and I'm not giving up. I want Mm -hmm. to be a songwriter. I want to be here. Was that a moment that you can define? Like, was did the skies open and a certain star appeared? Or was that also yeah. an evolution? You know what? I do think it's an evolution. And it is also that connects to consciousness because it was a it was an interesting response to the book or an interesting experience seeing the book through people's eyes. Because what ended up happening is people would be like, Are you okay? Like that mm-hmm. was really fucked up. And I'd be like, Wow, I guess it was. Like, because even when writing it. I was just sort of writing what happened. You know, I was Mm -hmm. just writing this happened this day. Oh my God. Like piecing together, sort of psychoanalyzing my time in Los Angeles, my life, everything. And then it was sort of reflected through other people's eyes and other people's consciousnesses that it sort of was revealed to me just how bad it was. Mm -hmm. So even understanding what I had been through was an evolution of writing the book, sharing the book, which I do think is a really significant part of artistry in general, that Mm -hmm. it's like, it's, you can only learn so much without sharing. Yeah. You know, you can only learn so much, experience a thing and hold on to it. But so many of the lessons I've learned have been in the sharing of it because inevitably you see yourself reflected in other people and it's just massively illuminating. Yeah. And I, and so I don't think it was a conscious choice. Like I'm sticking with this no matter what, I think in the same way, it just like stuck to me. I just never quit, but also it changed. Like my career really changed. Like it, in some ways I can look back and say, you know what? I did quit that relationship or that production team or that whatever, but I had to constantly redefine, okay, what's my community going to look like? What is my day to day going to look like? And I think a big part of what was so hard about that is that I felt like by leaving them, I was quitting. I yeah. felt like by leaving this bad community, this community that doesn't serve me, this community that is not helping my career, I'm quitting. It took time for me to realize, oh, I can redefine. I can set boundaries and not quit. It doesn't mean I'm giving up if I redefine what success looks like for me. Yeah, you're evolving. The Conscious Economics Podcast is brought to you by CPP Investments, manager of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. Canadians can be confident in the fund's sustainability. CPP Investments has earned more than $300 billion in the last 10 years and has more than $500 billion invested around the world. The Canada Pension Plan is set to provide a retirement income foundation for generations to come. To learn more, visit cppinvestments.com. Did you have a specific moment where, because, and obviously I've introed you before getting into the episode, but you're quite a prolific songwriter for others, you know, some really big name acts, producing, writing that way for others. And then you're also, you know, putting your own music out, which I've always loved. And of course you did put an album out under the same name as this book. So I loved that you did that. Like that was so special to me. And I don't see a lot of people doing that. I don't know. I was like 
this has this been done before? I don't know. I'm maybe not as clued in. I don't know if it has, but I mean, I imagine somewhere sometime it has, but I don't have any like examples to point to. Either way, like it is just so special the way that you did that and the way that as, you know, a reader or a listener that I can go down those roads through those two different mediums and then put them together. It went so much deeper. But my question is really around, did you decide, because most artists, I think they think of themselves of like, I'm going to pursue this independent career where I'm going to be the face on, you know, the billboard and all of those things. Did you always know that you had an interest in songwriting just in general and also giving some of that art to others to make their own? Or was that an evolution? That was also evolution. I really didn't know that. That sort of fell on my lap, you know, at the end of my time in Toronto because I did meet this manager who I had just sort of started songwriting, not for me specifically, but just a thing to do. I was done school, connected with this producer and just started writing kind of as an exercise Mm -hmm. and then got connected with this producer. He was like, come to LA, let's put you in different rooms and you know, see how you connect with people. And that was sort of my first introduction to songwriting as like a trade, as like I could write for different people. And then I just fell in love with it really quickly because Mm -hmm. I feel like I can get really immersed in stories. And it's nice to feel like it doesn't have to all be specifically mine for me to share. I can like create stories and worlds and also be connecting with someone who's trying to express something they've gone Mm -hmm. through and then Mm -hmm. they have to carry it further. Like it's sort of a nice isolated little event to be in a room, write something with somebody. And then that's kind of it for you. I get to go Mm -hmm. into the other room. They get to see where that song goes, where that song takes them. And I get to kind of watch from the sidelines. And it's a very fulfilling feeling. It's a nice, it's, yeah, it's really nice. You're birthing something with someone Mm. and then you're allowing it to grow and like develop on its own. It's really, Mm -hmm. it's a really beautiful sort of metaphor, even for life in the way that we plant seeds. But then, you know, it's all the other circumstances sometimes that allow those seeds to grow and flourish into something we may not have even dreamed of in the initial design, which is so cool. I wanted to sort of understand that process. So do you have a really conscious practice around when you're writing for yourself versus writing for someone else? Or what does that look like? Or do you just have a body of work and then people are like, oh, I like that or I like that? Like, how does it work? That happens sometimes where, you know, there's certain songs that I've written sort of with the intention of them being for me that artists have wanted to put out that just don't feel right, that it Mm -hmm. just feels like too personal to me or too much a thing that I feel like I need to share. The big difference for me in writing for myself and writing for other people is generally when I'm writing for myself, it starts totally alone. Mm -hmm. It starts with me in my room, you know, feeling a feeling and sort of sorting through it. And then sometimes I'll bring that bit of an idea into a room with a producer that I really trust, who's probably a dear friend, and we'll work it out together. But with writing for other people, generally it always starts in the room with the artist. And the seed is often theirs. The seed is often, you know, what are you going through right now? What's happening in your life? They explain Mm -hmm. to me what's happening in their lives. And then I sort of relate to it in the same way you relate to a friend who's going through a thing and you're like, oh my God, you know, Mm -hmm. that happened to me before. That's sort of what that process is like. And then I put my experience onto their experience so that I can empathize and write Mm -hmm. with them. But that's sort of the, the big difference for me is that generally my things start really 
solo. I think it's beautiful that you're able to oscillate in between the two and I, they're both very different skills, definitely. So I just think it's really interesting to hear that process and I always sort of wondered how that worked and I think it's different for everyone, but ultimately the way I feel about anything creative is sort of channeling through us. So I always feel like it's coming from somewhere like I've just started doing a lot of my own songwriting again this year. Mm. I've gone through like my own big transition and selling a business and losing my mom and doing all these things and coming back to music very personally and very therapeutically for myself with no intention of really anybody outside of my home even hearing it at this point right now. But what I do find, and this I think is something you referenced earlier in the book, it's when you do have that reflection when someone else is there you start to really see what it is that you're saying or see what it is that you really experience through that mirroring and mm-hmm. there is something that goes deeper from that process which is really beautiful i look at some of the stuff that i've written and i'm like afraid of it almost like where did that come from did i really say that you know cuz i feel like it's a higher consciousness in a way that's oh, yeah. sort of channeling through and so it's interesting when you're doing it with someone else like you are then in their energy so you're connecting into that energy on that mutual wave of whatever that experience is and then you're both pulling something from the ethers through Oh, yeah. It is very interesting. Sometimes songwriting feels like that sort of channeling thing to me very much because, you know, I'm not alone. You know, you just described it in feeling like sometimes I'll write a thing that I don't totally understand. Like it'll feel totally authentic to me and totally real to me. And then Mm -hmm. two weeks later, I'll know exactly what it was about. Two weeks later, something happens and it's like it was a prophecy. Like they just feel like these little, they're like tapping into a subconscious feeling or worry or something that you express. And I don't judge what I'm trying to write about, especially for myself. I'm like, if this is what I feel like writing about right now, this is what needs to be written about. Like no judgment. So then I'll write a song and it's happened a few times where I write a song about the end of a relationship or something while I'm in a relationship. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm in a relationship. And then we break up two weeks later, you know, because it is this sort of channeling that just knows more than you do, you know, about what you're going through. I think that's very well said and and very profound, but very simply true at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I've had those same experiences. I also find sometimes I'm writing things and it's like old war songs. And I'm like, I wasn't in a war. I'm like, maybe I was (laughs) like in some other time. So yeah, it's, well, I mean, and we all are constantly just in the vibration of war and just where we are on the planet right now. And everything that's going on, it is just so like in our being, So it's interesting to see what also comes through and in a practice in terms of well-being, and I want to kind of shift to there, how do you heal from the mirroring of the response to these stories that are so true and raw and painful at times? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What did that process look like? How did you heal enough to be able to write it? And then what was the process in the aftermath of healing again? Because I imagine that this is definitely a part of your process in this project. Yeah. The healing is sort of doesn't stop. I think, I think the healing itself is a journey and it had sort of stages. The writing of the book itself was massively healing. You know, it took me probably about a year 
and a half to get into it, write all these stories. I have a big whiteboard in my kitchen that was just like, looked like a giant scrapboard with like pictures of people and stories and ideas. And I just moved them around, you know, sort of for a year. And that itself was massively healing, like starting to piece together. Oh, I did this because it, cause I learned it there, you know, that in itself, just understanding, feeling like I understood my own behaviors in a new way was massively healing. And then to share it was massively healing because, you know, like I said, so many people were either saying, I've been through that. Gosh, that's exactly what I went through. Are you okay? You know, I just got so much I got so much beautiful feedback. And because the process of writing it really was self-exploration, the goal for writing it was figuring my stuff out. I felt like I had sort of snapped and needed a break from the music industry because Mm -hmm. I couldn't stay in that camp anymore. I was getting like legally out of my deal with that production team. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't have a manager. I didn't. So I just sort of snapped and started writing these stories not with the intention of writing a book, but with the intention of just writing, of trying to figure my stuff Mm. out. And then it just sort of revealed itself to be a book. And I had a couple really close friends be like, this is a book. Like, Mm. this is a book. These aren't like journal entries. This is, you can make this a book. And then because of that support and just, you know, my own need to figure my own stuff out, I'm so grateful it got to a point where I could share it with people and that I've received the kind of support that I've received. And that was hugely healing, but it it really continues to be healing because, you know, I'm like in a positive relationship for the first time in a long time now. And it pops up constantly, you know, healing is not a linear process and it pops up in unexpected moments where I need to handle you know, some way that I respond to my partner that we both have to go like, oh, what is that? And then I, Mm -hmm. then it's a whole healing thing again. Like, I don't think it's a process that ends. It's like a constant evolution. Yeah, Yeah. it absolutely (laughs) is. And uh, trust me, I know. But I think that when you're walking that journey, I think the most pain comes from when we are afraid to walk that journey, when we're just sort of living and being in that in that pain body, as Eckhart Tolle might say, it's that place where we're not at all observing ourselves or our behaviors. And we're just mm-hmm. so attached into the moment and reactive and all of those things. And many of us spend most of our teens and twenties in that space. And then the yeah. breaking point comes for you. It came in this moment. It usually is brought on by other circumstances in our life of just like the universe sort of pushing you out of something. You know, for me, it was a near death experience in the middle of the Arctic ocean at 33, which was like a really dramatic way to have it. But it literally was a manifestation of just running from myself for so, so long. And finally, literally having to be like cracked, like slapped across the face by the universe. And it changed my whole life. Like I ended a marriage. I moved. I quit drinking. Like I did everything after that moment because I saw myself for the first time. I saw what I was doing and I was doing it to myself. Yeah. It was just an unbelievable thing how we are the ones that are inflicting the pain over and over again on ourselves, despite the traumas or the things that we may have experienced. That really just struck a chord with me because I got like chills while you were talking. I was like, oh my God, a part of why I wanted to write the book is because 
I didn't feel like I could hold the company that, that very, like the company and also the guy I call Tal in the book. I wasn't solely a victim of his treatment. There were Mm -hmm. huge parts within the thing that I really participated in. Mm -hmm. And in order for me to change, I needed to understand why Mm -hmm. I participated, why I picked it. You know, even though it was exploitive, even though I have lots of room for how manipulated I was, how exploited I was, how stuck I was, all these very real factors, I needed to understand why did I stay? Why did I stay? Why did I stay? Why did I stay? Which Mm -hmm. I think is different for everybody. But it was in understanding that, that I could change. And if I had just gone, he's the villain, I'm the good guy here, I don't think I would have learned anything. I certainly wouldn't have learned how to pick different people, how to make different choices. Like I wouldn't have learned any of that. Yeah. So, so true. And again, like you're absolutely right. If you had been the victim in that story, and again, I'm not overriding that you weren't in some ways, but exactly what we've just been talking about, you would have just repeated it again with somebody else. And it's so interesting because there were all these through lines for me when I had my sort of near-death experience. There was all this suffering and all this pain and all of these cycles that kept continuing. And I was the common denominator, you know, but I was choosing those experiences over and over again. And I was pushing and reflecting all of the pain on other people. And in that moment, in the near death, when I literally thought, I'm going to die, and I heard a voice, I'm getting a little into it, but I heard a voice literally say, do you want to stay or do you want to go? And it was not my voice. And then I started having a life review, they call it. So I started seeing like everything from like the moment I was born to like every decision all in this big download. And I saw in that sort of last second before I said, I want to stay, I saw the number one person that I blamed for everything in my entire life, I saw myself as them. And I was wow. like, I am them. Yeah. And it was like, woo. So oh really wild. God. And then as this was happening, and obviously it was like in the water in the Arctic Ocean, my whole house back home flooded that same night, like with oh. sewage water. Yeah. Like it was like a thing. Like the universe literally like shook me to my core. And then it was a series like that was over five years ago now. And like it's been a long ongoing journey to turn the Titanic of my life because I was going in some other freaking direction, like in, in like a crazy way. And again, it's interesting because I see a through line in some of your stories. Like I had to put this book down a few times because it was bringing certain things up in me that I was like, ooh, like it actually excavated some deeper work for me around sexual assault, around different things that I hadn't fully even gone all the way through into. So thank you for that. I mean, it wasn't, Um, it's never always something that you are excited (laughs) about excavating, but yeah, oh, yay. Yeah. It's not necessarily. (laughs) And it was interesting. Like a few times my partner was like, should, are you okay to read this during the time that you're like going through right now? Cause it, the book came to me at this really perfect moment when I was like called to read it, supposed to read it for what it was mirroring in my own life of things I had to look at. And I love how art can do that. And I love like the through line and the connection of when we're creating from that heart space, 
like we call it into ourselves. Like we call in the artist that's going to be transformative or the song that's going to heal us through that breakup or like this, which helped me so deeply as I was going through my first full year of total sobriety because I had been using cannabis a lot to like bridge out of the alcohol and all of the things. And then it was like, boof, like all that stuff was coming out. But it was like the last, not the last, because it's an ongoing journey as we know. But I love how the art did that. Your work really helped me with that. But one of the things that I sort of read in between the lines of some of what you were experiencing here was this, and this gets into the deeper like dismantling of the patriarchy that I feel this book is doing, is we've been told and sold this bill of lies around who we have to be, what we have to look like, how we have to show up, what it means to be a woman in business, what it means to stand up for yourself or not, what it means to be likable, what it means to stay invited in the inner circle, like all Mm -hmm. of those things. And it's so, so deeply integrated into our societal traumas and the patriarchy and colonization of our minds and bodies and lands and all of it. And it was really you know, coming through here in the naivety a little bit of, you know, exploring, which I found so much in my early career. And then this reflection in the writing of it tells me that you're out of that space. Obviously, I don't think you sat down and said like, I'm going to write a story about dismantling the patriarchy. But do you realize that you're doing that in this work? Is that a realization now? And how do you approach your life in the industry now, knowing what you know as the wiser woman that you are and you've become? Yeah. I do think I realize it now in the same way I realize it in other people's work. And it connects to this idea of telling the truth. Like I think they're really beautiful, powerful byproducts of just telling the truth of private experiences that people want to keep private. Like there is something really powerful about just saying out loud the thing that made you feel like, oh, like not even loudly like that was awful, but just that little, because sometimes in certain moments, you are not in your body enough to have the reasonable reaction to the bad thing that's happening because you're sort of, you're surviving, you're acclimatizing, you're like doing all these things so that you can get through it. So sometimes it's even just that little like, oh, that didn't feel quite right. That sometimes it requires sharing that for somebody to be like, oh, that sort of happened to me. I mean, it is sort of the power of of me too, of everybody sharing these like quiet, private experiences that when you start seeing enough of them, you're like, oh, this is really problematic. And we've all just made so much space for that discomfort, for that, like, I mean, how much does that little bit of discomfort really cost me, you know? But it's accumulative, you know? Every time it adds to this pile that you're not handling and it gets bigger and bigger. And so I can look back on that and say, like, that was certainly hugely important in dismantling the patriarchy for me because the way I exist in my work is totally different. It's totally different. And the big difference for me is boundaries. It's just boundaries, feeling like I'm not going to lose my career by having them, which was a huge thing. I sort of felt like success is dependent on being boundaryless, on having no plans, no, I have to leave by six, nothing at all, just being totally available to whoever, whenever that was the road to success. 
And after writing the book, you know, going into my life and going into my relationships, my work relationships, my personal relationships, it just feels like the exact opposite. Like people respect you more, the more boundaries you have, you know, the, my personal happiness is just massively improved in walking into, you know, now I never go into a session because it is the danger. It's such a strange industry songwriting. I mean, so many industries are so strange, but the songwriting industry is so strange because you go into these rooms. It's always with a man. Generally it's like, you know, I've been doing sessions for 11 years here. Maybe three have been just women, you know? And so you go into a room with a man and certainly at the beginning of my career, you have no idea when you're getting out. It can be some guys, it's usually some guy's house. You've never met him before. Maybe you're in his basement. He's like chain smoking. There's no out. And that was incredibly like strange and challenging, but also just felt like this is what the industry is because I didn't really know. I didn't know that I could set lines for myself. And so now I go into rooms. If I have a session at one, I'm like, Hey guys, I have to leave by six. Yeah. Right away. Cause it yeah. changes the way the session moves. It changes yeah. how quickly people get to work, mm-hmm. you know, because if you have an unlimited amount of time, we're going yeah. for a walk, we're getting coffee. You want to get lunch? Let's go for dinner. And I'm like, we're not like, this is not my family. You're not my friends. Yeah. We are at work. There has to be some sort of structure in mm-hmm. this structureless, like vibey, which is also important. But mm-hmm. for me, it just, it couldn't continue because I felt mm-hmm. like I couldn't have a personal life. Yeah. I couldn't have a family. I couldn't have any of these things without real boundaries. And that has been world changing. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think that's such great advice for anyone listening and something that I'm deeply working on. And it correlates deeply with our relationship to our own value, which correlates to our relationship with money. And I wanted to ask you about your evolution there because as artists, as young people, as women, we have also been sold a really interesting set of stories around you know, money, our own value, how to advocate for what we are worth. I'm sure in, you know, your industry of songwriting and the legality around ownership of certain pieces and keeping your publishing and all of those things, Mm -hmm. you've had to encounter a lot of different pieces around that. And so I wondered if you could just kind of riff a little bit on that part of your life and some of the mistakes you've made or what you've learned, wherever you want to take it energetically and just sort of punting it over to you in that way. Yeah. That's been a really interesting evolution too, because it also comes with education, comes with even knowing where your money is coming from. Because with songwriting, you sort of, you know, like a check appears. And especially before you have a manager or a publisher or a business manager or any sort of structural pieces of the business side, you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm still alive. Like I'm getting paid enough. Some check arrives just in time. You know, there is, it's just so unorganized. And mm-hmm. then eventually you start to realize or you start to understand through time, through education, you know, where your money's coming from, where songwriting money comes from you know, how you split a song into the master side, into the publishing side. And that has been a huge, it continues to be a huge battle that I am like so passionate about fighting because Mm. it's, you know, there's so many, I actually don't know what the statistic is, so I don't know, but I think there's a lot of women 
writers, songwriters, and there's a lot of male producers. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when you go into a session, if it was me and you, let's say you're the artist, I'm the writer, we have a male producer. There's also lots of, just to say, there's lots of incredible women producers, but I just haven't, I haven't worked with a lot of them and I would love to work with more. But so let's say that's the dynamic. We are, we're in a room together. I'm writing the song with you. We have a guy on the computer who's producing. I'm actively involved in that process. Maybe, you know, feel more comfortable with me because we've been sitting on a couch for six hours talking about your life, your personal life, what you're going through. So you don't like something and you don't want to tell him. So you tell me and I'm like, Mm -hmm. Hey, can we get rid of that thing? Da, da, da. We finish the song, the song ends, and then that producer gets a producer fee. That producer mm-hmm. gets $15,000 and the writer gets nothing. The mm-hmm. writer gets nothing at all for the day. And mm-hmm. it's so, like, I didn't really understand that. And often that's an advance for them, but it's still upfront money for work they are doing. Yeah. And I didn't, I did not understand that was happening until sort of recently. And it is shocking to me. It is Mm -hmm. shocking to me. It continues to be shocking to me Mm -hmm. because it is the, it's the trap of, I mean, it's the trap of all creative careers, I think, because you don't necessarily succeed based on talent alone. You know, there's an enormous amount of luck that goes into it, into success, but it is a mind, you know, it really forces you to dig deep when you're in a city like this And the people that you came up with, that you slept on couches with, are buying their second homes. You know, it can be a real like, okay, what is important? Go inside. What matters? What does success mean to you? Like it is a constant meditation so that you don't Mm. sort of snap and feel not valuable. Don't feel like you're not good enough or there's some sort of actual reason that you don't have the house, that you don't have the whatever the car is, all these things. Like it's a Mm -hmm. constant relationship with value, what that value means to you, what success means to you, all these things. Mm -hmm. But a big part of, to me, what that success is, is these, like every producer I know has a house because they're Mm -hmm. all making money all of the time. Right. And they're all making money all of the time off of stuff we are writing. Mm. And I have a real problem with that. Mm. And so- a big part of it, of, of my battle right now, and I'm so grateful to have a manager who's like here for it. And she was life-changing too. Just, I mean, the second I started involving women in my life, my life changed. Like my attorney is a woman, my manager is a woman, my life changed. Just these like strong, badass women who are willing to just go to bat for me. And now, you know, every time I do a song, we ask for production credit we ask for a piece of the master. We ask mm-hmm. for an advance. If the label isn't willing to do it, I go to the producer. I say, hey, yeah. is this, are you okay with this? Like, yeah. you know the day we had, you know the kind of writer I am in a room. Are mm-hmm. you okay with me getting nothing off of this song? And mo- nine times out of 10, they're like, no. And they cut you in, you know, they cut you in and it's not always an enormous amount, but it's enough to acknowledge, which yeah. makes all the difference in, in feeling valued in a room yeah. for them to go, I see what you did. I see what you bring into this space. And I'm going to give you 5% of what I get. Mm-hmm. It, is, it makes no difference to them. And it makes all of the difference to the person, to me. Yeah. 
I mean, this is huge. And thank you so much for articulating it this way. We have so many artists that listen to the show and I think are going to be learning that just because something's always been done a certain way doesn't mean that it can't change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the whole thing that we're trying to do here in our world, in our economy, in our systems is create change. And it starts by individuals like yourself saying, hey, this isn't fair. You're not valuing my work, my time, my energy correctly. It goes back to the boundaries. I don't work in a circumstance where I have to put my creative. And remember, we talked about where that comes from. If it's coming from this higher downloaded consciousness, like that's your life force energy you're giving, Mm -hmm. you know, in that space. It literally is. And at Conscious Economics, we talk about the multiple currencies of an economy. It's not just about money. Like when you are putting your creative life force energy into a project, into a song, into a room, and you're not getting a valuable return a remuneration to that, it's draining your life force. And eventually Mm -hmm. you will get to the point where you won't feel creative anymore because you would have used it all and had no reciprocation coming back. And so, you know, we are talking about money here. We're talking about the economics of music and the industry, but we're also talking about the economy of our personal energy and currencies. And those things are intertwined. And it's fascinating to me always. Like I've had so many weird problems with money and I was the CEO of the Economic Club of Canada for a long freaking time, right? (laughs) You know, like 14 years and with all of these like most elite business leaders and economists and whatever else. And my issue was I didn't value myself. So I would just give everything away. Like it would just like come in and go right out the door again to keep me in this perpetual state of not having enough because that was what I had to unlock. So it was coming in and then it was like going out just as fast because I had no boundary or protection for myself. It was like, here, just take all of everything that I have, everything that I've earned. It's yours stranger that I don't know. Like it was just that sort of thing. And of course, reflecting on all of the different things that lead us to these spaces, it's, it's reflective in you saying that you go into the writer's room and you say, I got to leave by six. It's the same thing. I got to leave by six and I have to be paid and like, I have to whatever. And I need a portion of that master and I need this, you know, amount of my publishing and whatever else. But it's fascinating to see how money relationships, self-value, it's all interrelated. And as women, mm-hmm. we're kind of told, like, get someone else to figure that out for you. You don't need to know what's going on. And that's bullshit. <gasps> Such bullshit. Oh, my gosh. That yeah. is the biggest, that is the biggest bullshit. The thing that has been most valuable is understanding my career, my finances, who is getting paid what, where. Like, I want to know everything now. And I do think there is, you know, in my early 20s, I was sort of like, as long as my, you know, card goes through, it's fine. Like as long as I have enough money, it's fine. But there isn't really this interest in understanding what's there, where it's coming from, you know, just understanding what the environment is because it sort of feels intimidating or it's not quite, you know, like I don't understand or something. There's sort of a nervousness to approach it at all. And the more, I mean, it is, it just, it's education. The more you understand, the more you understand, you know, and the more equipped you are to handle it. 
which is the same with your own shit, which we started talking about in the beginning of this conversation. When you're willing to look at your own skeletons, when you're willing to look at your own behaviors, it's not as scary as what it is when you're trying to ignore them and they're bubbling up oh, as yeah. anxiety or they're bubbling up as like, I got to numb that by, you know, drinking another drink or smoking another thing or whatever it is. Like it's the mm-hmm. same thing. It's the same essence. At Conscious Economics, we offer financial therapy for people. Mm. So it's a super cool modality where we're combining therapy with our relationship to money. And it is so interconnected. It's like that thing that happened with your mom 15 years ago is showing up in how you're negotiating your business deal. It's wild. It's wild once you start. And I think as women, we're so, we're so curious about our own emotionality, about our, you know, story. Like we are, we're more receptive to do that work. We just didn't realize that it correlated to money. It was Mm -hmm. like kind of told to us that was like a man's thing or like a business thing that we didn't, if we're creatives, we don't have to worry about that. And it's just such bullshit. So I love that you're reclaiming that. I love how you're really practically doing that in the way that you show up and surrounding Mm -hmm. yourself with people that can advocate for you and you can trust. I think Mm -hmm. those are just beautiful things things. Well, this has been the best pleasure. I could talk to you for 10 million hours. I know. Me too. Me too. I love it so much. Just tell us to end off. Where can we find you? Where can we get the book? Where can we get the album? What are you working on now? Yeah. You can get the book wherever you get books. You can get it at, you can order it to your local bookshop, which is great. Giving your local businesses business. You can get all my music all over Spotify, all over Apple music. And right now I'm working on second book, second album. Wow. Ooh, I just got a little like chill for that. I'm <laughs> down for what that is. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Haley, thank you so much. You dropped so much wisdom, your honesty. Yeah. We will link in the show notes where to find you again, the book as well, people you follow. We really hope that you all can read this. It's so powerful and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Haley as much as I did. Um, For those of you that want to check out the book, I highly, highly encourage you to order it and read it first and then listen to the album that she released that goes with it. Such a cool experience in being able to have the art um, in these two different mediums. So it really is an incredible social change piece and I encourage you all to get it. Check her out, listen to some of her amazing music and if you haven't already done so, give her a follow on all social media platforms she's pretty active on instagram and yeah we're so honored to have you back always with us at conscious economics and our podcast and we'll be back again in two weeks in the spirit of the new economy taking our time releasing things long form heartfelt and hopefully inspiring you to live your best most authentic life bye for now